Hi, my name is Harris. I'm one of your podcast hosts. I'm also a lawyer at Treadstone Law. For most Canadians buying, selling, or refinancing real estate, a lawyer is the last thing on their mind. That's unfortunate because lawyers play a vital role in the process. But what choices do Canadians have? Lawyers can be very expensive. Well, Treadstone Law offers resources to Canadians so they have access to the information they need. Whether you sign up for a live workshop or a mailing list, we cover topics to help you make informed decisions and avoid costly mistakes. It's advice you can start using today, and best of all, it's free. Visit treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click the link below to get access right now. If you're looking to retain Treadstone Law, it's never been easier. Our entire process is online. From completing the retainer agreement to your signing appointment, everything is done from the comfort of your own home. We're your digital lawyers. The best part of it is that you don't pay anything when you're retaining our firm. Visit treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click on the link below to retain us right now. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Hustle and Grit. Today on our episode, we have special guest Vince Scarcelli. Vince is the owner of Meta Mortgage Group. He has been in the financial sector for over 15 years, nine years as a broker and nine years in the banking sector, working in various roles from teller to branch manager. Vince started Meta Mortgage Group just over four years ago with the goal of providing clients a clear and predictable end-to-end mortgage process and straightforward advice on what is best for them. Vince started growing his agent team when, from or last year from four, and he went from four team members to nine. And last year, he also funded ninety-seven million in mortgages and was named in CMP's top seventy-five broker list. Those are some impressive numbers. Welcome to the podcast, Vince. Thanks, Harris. Thank you so much. When I was writing that down, I I said to myself, you know, about the number of years, you never really start to. Yeah. Think about it until you start writing it down. And I'm like, wow, it's a lot of years in, in you know, the banking and the now broker. So uh, I feel old. I mean, given the amount of years, the success you've had is phenomenal. It's not like it's uh, it's something to kind of uh, look over. Uh, Ninety seven million is something that shows that I feel like um, being a real estate lawyer, you could kind of gauge um, somebody's success right away. Sometimes people get lucky this is not luck. This is hard work. And this is kind of providing value. So I guess what got you to become a mortgage broker? Uh, oh, wow. Um, loaded question, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I always felt like I had a, a, you know, a self-employed, you know, entrepreneurial bone in my body. I needed to do that at some point. Uh, it takes me back to my banking days when I was a branch manager at national bank and the most successful clients I had walking in the door were all self-employed, mm-hmm. uh, would come into my office on a Friday, drive in their beautiful cars, and then would pull in, and then we would get chatting, because I just, my style to chat with people, and uh, all of them would whisper in my ear and say, hey, like, you know, time for you to move on and, and do something, you know, open up a business, do you want to do that, and stuff like that, so it's, I don't know if they were trying to recruit me or not, but at the same time, what I felt was um, did like the the credit side of the balance sheet and lending, 
uh, more than the investment side. At the bank, you do it all. Uh, you're, you're a generalist, right? So um, I got chatting with some people in the bank and um, and left uh, the bank uh, to open up a brokerage with two partners at the time. So we just it felt just natural to jump into the broker side and and talk mortgages with clients because that's what I felt um, I really enjoyed doing the most when I was at the bank. So you never ever thought maybe you'd want to do something else. It was just mortgage brokering and that's it. Um, it was is purely advice driven. I just felt more comfortable giving advice around mortgages. Um, I do still today talk to people about, you know, their banking relationships and business uh, banking and personal banking. Uh, tough to give advice on investments. You can't really do that. But I was um, certified um, for mutual funds and had my, uh, you know, my my um, uh, my not my CFP, but I, I forget what that that is called. Anyways, it's like a uh, CSI at the CSI had mm. uh, I had some sort of designation for investments. I just it didn't really speak to me as much as the uh, investment as the the mortgage side. And what's funny is when I left the bank um, after doing mortgages for so long, I had to go back and get registered as a mortgage agent. <laughs> uh, so that was the funny part, right? You're doing this yeah. uh, because the banks are self-regulated. You don't actually have to write a test. You leave the bank after doing it for so many years, and now you have to write a test. So yeah. that was that was funny. So. What is, I would say, or what would you say, sorry, um, one thing that makes you a good mortgage broker? What's that one quality I would say stands out? Um, I think bottom line is our, our thing is just give it straight to people. Like people mm. over time, I've learned people just want to know the real truth. They don't want to be overpromised. They don't want to have the blue sky painted for them. Yeah. You need to know you know, what your client's looking for, but you need to be able to tell it to them straight because that's really what people are looking for. I don't know why we are so afraid in general in our industry to just tell people no, or this is not possible, or maybe look at it this way instead of that way, or this is not achievable because you need to do this, this, and this. So I think what we do really well um, is we just tell people straight. Yeah. I mean, and we've had a few conversations and, and, and I, I haven't, uh, you know, we haven't discussed discussed my mortgage yet. But um, from the few conversations we've had, I felt like talking to you, to you was talking to an old friend, which is kind of like what you want, because like there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of different types of mortgages. You need to be able to open up to a person. They need to be able to understand where you're coming from and your background. And and there's a lot of things going on for that, like that bet and i'm not trying to sell you i'm just saying my observation is is yeah it was more personable it was easy to kind of get to know you and and kind of have that conversation but sp speaking to that kind of i almost think with mortgage brokering a lot of it is like uh, a bait and switch model that i see often enough um not often enough but you see it here and there right um you have a lot of stand-up professionals i'm not going to say like the profession's full of that but you here and there you do see somebody who's like giving you this crazy rate and then when you go speak to them nobody qualifies for that rate so it's like it is important i would say um to build that relationship earlier on and to have that candid open kind of relationship with whoever's giving you that advice oh absolutely I, oh man that that speaks to me so much i can tell you right now that yeah when a client would call uh, we don't get a lot of this now because most of our clients are are really just 
you know, warm referrals from existing clientele. But when you do get those clients that call in and say, Hey, what's your best rate? It's, it's kind of like a non-starter for me because I don't, I don't know them. So I can't, I can't provide them the advice without getting to know them. For me, the most important thing is we really have to focus on suitability. Um, you know, finding a good rate out there is always going to be important, but, um, there's so much more to this than just talking to someone about what the rate is, um, or what the term is. Uh, you really need to do a good job getting to know the client first Mm -hmm. and put the time in. So we do have a lot of bait and switch people in the industry, which is kind of unfortunate. We also do have a lot of, um, good, uh, qualified professional individuals in the industry that are emerging coming from the bank side that are realizing that you really have a narrow sort of level of options at the bank here yeah. on the broker side if you do a good job and get to know your client very well you can really place them in the right mortgage um and and it's and it's going to be really uh, beneficial for them not only today but in the long run quick 10 second break are you finding this podcast useful do you want access to more resources just like this podcast sign up to one of our online workshops or our mailing list and we'll send all the information you need right to your inbox. Good advice is hard to come by, especially in a market like today's. Sign up by visiting treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click on the link below. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yeah, no, and, and, and to that, I, I, I didn't mean to say <laughs> that um, there's mortgage brokers, are, there's a lot of bait and switch. There's tons of stand-up professionals. I personally, anybody comes my way, I always recommend the broker channel before I recommend the bank just because the bank may have great products, but it doesn't have great products for everybody, whereas a broker can kind of figure out where the, to place you and that best yeah. rate is very relative, right? It's like, Oh yeah, no. And you're right. You know, Harris, like it's, there are, no, there are, the reality is there's a lot of bait and switch people out there and they can either bait Mm -hmm. and switch or bait or they can bait and switch. I can get it done. I can get it done. I can get it done. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you know, you can get an approval, but if you can't fund, if you can't meet the Mm -hmm. conditions that approval, what's the point of that approval? It's not Mm -hmm. good. Right. So I, I agree with you for sure. There's a lot of that. And, um, and, but we, it's, it's hopefully getting better, but bottom line is, is clients are looking for something that is straightforward. They just yeah. need to know they have somebody in their yeah. corner because it is a very complicated process, right? Yeah. Some people really simplify it and are like, okay, we'll do an application in 10 minutes and away you go. See you later. That's not our style. Like our style is not like that. I'm sure we'll get to talking about that at some point, but our style is, is definitely different. Um, I would rather, um, do less ends as people would call it or work with less clients, but have more, more relationships because it's proven to work, um, in the long run, if you create those relationships with clients, they become your referral sources and yeah. it just sort of mushrooms from there. Right. Yeah. yeah man. And I, I feel like, um, all, all the brokers aren't only to, I'm not saying all brokers to blame again for that bait and switch segment. There's also the clients who, if you're looking for the best rate and that's what you're opening up with, um, it shows that you're kind of unsophisticated as well. Absolutely. Best rate is a relative term, right? Based on where the money's coming from, based on what your circumstances are, what you own, what you are planning on selling, what you're doing, you get a best rate relative to that. You have to have that conversation first. So I guess if I am coming to you and I want a mortgage, what's the process? Do I like send you an email and then you send me some information back? And then like, what's the entire process of yeah. me getting an information or a mortgage from you? 
Right. Um, yeah. So for, for me, um, I get on the phone with every client. Uh, I think it's really important for us to sort of have a, almost like a first dance sort of thing. You just sort of chat yeah. with the client and, and get to know them, look at what they're looking to achieve. Um, and then I explain to them. So if you were a client, I'd explain to you the, what the process is going to be, because again, it's about being predictable and understanding what that end to end process is so that if I'm going to take you through it, I need to know, um, I need to make sure you know what that process is going to be. And then I am going to, at the end of that call, be able to send you a list of documents that I'm going to need that are going to be rele relevant to your situation. So I'm not going to ask you a pay stub if you're self-employed. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to sift through a, a list that is not, is going to be too long. So basically my goal during that call is to get to know what you're, you're looking to do, refi, purchase, um, mortgage up for maturity. Um, and then ultimately get to know a little bit about you, um, what you do for a living. Are there more people on the applications? How many other properties you have? Um, and then I, at the end of that call, send you a list. Um, so you get a homework list essentially yeah. to send us documentation <laughs> and upload. Um, and once we have documents, then we will have a meeting um, and go through options. So ahead of that meeting, once you've sent in the documents, we um, we have a bunch of spreadsheets that we fill out with clients um, based on their information and what they bring in. Um, because now we're in the world of Zoom. Look, we're in the world of podcasts. Everyone's <laughs> everyone's like completely you know not Digital, in the same yeah. office as each other anymore. I mean, we do have clients coming in, but not as many as before. I used to meet every client, by the way, Harris. That right. that was crazy. I can't even Kevin imagine doing that now. But um, but yeah. So then when the client um, comes in for a meeting or is on Zoom, we are ready to share the screen and show them um, the, the calculators, show them. So it's an interactive meeting. Mm -hmm. um, some people probably are li listening to this and going, especially part of the industry going, oh my gosh, like that's a lot of time that you're spending. We do spend a lot of time on a client. So I would say that that 15 minute call is the original call. We send the list out, client uploads a list. We book a meeting. It's going to be an hour. My staff will tell you that sometimes it's an hour and a half um, because there's a lot yeah. of stuff uncovered during that meeting, right? Yeah. We run through credit reports, share them with them, educate them on the credit report, make sure we do a proper balance sheet, go through um, what their um, needs, wants, and basically focus on suitability to understand um, you know, what their budget is. Um, are they comfortable with varying payments or do they want to have peace of mind every month and know what that payment's going to be? How long do they plan on living on the in the house? Do they plan on buying other properties, whether they're investment or secondary homes? Like we really look at it all. Um, and then during that time, my hands are busy with the spreadsheet and then I pop up the spreadsheet with the client and we review the spreadsheet together to, for them to understand not only what they qualify for, also what the payments are going to be, because we talk about affordability, which in my opinion, affordability is more important than qualification, to be honest. And then we talk to the client about why those numbers are what they are. Because if I can show them to you on the screen, yeah. then you will understand why those numbers are. I'll never rip off a number to you and say, hey, you qualify for 700,000. And then thank you very much, see you later. In your mind, you're there going to be self-regulating. Why is my number 700,000? That might not be high enough or might be, might be too high, who knows, right? If I get to know you and then I put those numbers on the screen, mm. we're gonna run through those numbers and you're gonna go, okay, I know why my number is that because Vince explained to me that based on how much income I claim and the stress test that the wonderful bank has, uh, yeah. the Canadian government has put in place, 
and an amortization of 30 years. Here's my payment and here's how it works and I have other debts and okay, now I get it. Maybe I have to pay off a little bit more debt. Maybe I have to focus on doing that. Maybe I have to focus on bringing in more, um, claiming more next year yeah. if I'm self-employed. And, and so we go through that so the client understands the matrix on how they qualify and then we go through the closing costs and, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of numbers that we go through to ensure the client's educated. So you can imagine an hour is, is a good amount of time, but um, that's where the magic happens is during that hour meeting. I mean, I, I can honestly say um, I, I, I work with quite a, a bit of brokers, but an hour meeting I haven't heard of <laughs> because um, a lot of yeah. times for better or for worse, you do just get like a, this is what you kind of uh, can qualify for. Um, and, and it does leave people with a lot of questions, but my thinking is um, it, it, same thing in my profession. Either you spend the time up front or you're going to spend it uh, doing damage control in the end. You're going to spend that time one way or the other because yep. um, if you do it in the beginning, people understand what their boundaries are. They can kind of like um, understand why um, they qualify for a million dollars, 750000 when they're making the same amount of money than their neighbor and they qualified for more or less because um, – Every dollar is not the same. If you're earning yourself, if you're like self-employed, that income's not the same as if you're working for five years, ten years, contract, full-time, permanent. Like there's so many things there oh, yeah. that like it could. There's just so many levers that you're moving up and down that for a lot of people who don't really understand it, it could be like there's a lot of questions. Like okay, well you know what? Maybe this broker. Um, doesn't know what he's talking about because my neighbor earned this much and well, no, maybe your neighbor had a different type of job who was earning a different way and your source of income is very different, which gets you to kind of um, that affordability because the reality is is that uh, the stress tests are the same wherever you go. It doesn't matter who you talk to. <laughs> Just like when someone says, oh, I did a, a calculation on your mortgage app. We have an app that people can go ahead and pre-qualify or you can do them on so many other ones. I mean, those actually won't provide you the most accurate numbers because like you said, that stress test is unilateral everywhere. However, there's so much in the detail that comes out during the the, the meeting yeah. and face-to-face -face that really a client starts to understand what you're there for and they start to feel at ease and they open up yeah. and then you just, you get all those nuggets of information to be able to put something together for them and you educate them through the process. It's a relationship builder. Yeah. Um, it really is. And you're right. Like that is exactly why we do it. We put the, we put the work up front. So everything is predictable and the, the ending is smooth because that's, you're going to spend them. You're right. You're going to spend the time regardless, yeah. either patching those holes later on or if you do a good job right away and get all the documents up front, now you can actually provide something that is concrete to a client. Yeah. When the client says, yes, I'd like to move forward, you're not going to come back to them and say, oh, by the way, what we discussed, I'm sorry, that's not yeah. applicable to you because of there's that bait and switch, right? Yeah, yeah. That may not be rate driven, but it could be, I can do this for you. And then now all of a sudden you can't. Yeah. So that was the whole thing. Like this has been developed over time. I've made tons of mistakes. Uh, I'll be the first one to admit it. Like these are, that's the way you grow is through mistakes. And that's how we hone this process. And we continue to hone it. Like my team will get together and be like, okay, let's tweak this or let's do this or let's do that. Or have you thought of doing this? Because um, no process is perfect, but yeah. you can certainly improve it, right? 
Yeah, and it's more of a self-awareness that you need to have in order that you need to figure out what's what you need to improve so that you can not only give people the best answer, but they need to understand that it's the best answer. So I think a lot and, and same thing, I, I would say with our law firm in the service industry, it's not about just giving somebody an answer. You really need to have, help them understand what the answer is because we're, we're kind of swimming in this, right? Whether like I, I'm in the legal profession, you're in the finance profession going into like, I'm sure you could easily tell me what the difference between an insured mortgage, insurable, uninsurable, like variable fix, all this stuff, how they interact, right? You could, you know that off the back of your hand, I have no idea, right? I can, even, even me in the industry, um, I'm an ancillary, like I, I work on the legal end, so I'm not kind of involved in the financial side. I would still need to go to a broker to kind of understand um, all how that's changed because it's constantly evolving um, and, and, and what is best for me. So what I guess, and there's a few things that you touched upon. What uh, is the difference between a pre-approval and a pre-qualification? Because I think I think those are two different things. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, it's funny because these these words kind of get interchanged, yeah. and 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 even from a client's expectation, they ask me questions about how long a pre-approval is good for, and and those are stemmed from different you know different other sort of um, experiences probably or other things that they've seen on Go on Google. So um, a pre-qual basically. Um, in my, based on what we would, we would consider, um, a prequal would be based, would be something that someone would have done to just sort of see what they qualify for on a calculator online. Mm -hmm. It's sort of just pop in your numbers and look at what you technically qualify for. Now with the emergence of, you know, insured, insurable, uninsurable, conventional, um, a, B, uh, you know, all these, it's hard to really do that. Yeah. Right. Because you can't build a calculator. That's going to tell you what that is going to be. Maybe through AI at some point we'll be able to do it. But right now you can't really do that. You can't, there's a calculator that's set up that way. And it's usually going to be set up for an insurable or an insured mortgage. And that's typically what those calculators are done. So that's a, that's a, what a pre-qualification with someone does, you know, at two o'clock in the morning when they're on their computer mm -hmm. trying to figure their own stuff out. Yeah. A pre-approval um, is basically going in and something that's more in-depth, specific to your situation, income situation and how you earn your income what type of home you're looking to purchase and what value, right? Because things change at a million dollar mark and above. Um, and then how much down payment you're going to have and what that's going to look like. Amortization of 25 year, third year, maybe also look at estimated property tax rates and so on and so forth. So those are, that's what a pre-approval would, would look like. And you actually should be given um, an amount. Now, some brokers will actually submit a pre-approval to a lender uh, I'll be the first one to tell you we don't do that. Okay. Um, and I could tell you why later, but basically we don't do it that way. We do it. Um, maybe, maybe it's crazy, but we do it a different way. It works. Yeah. But, um, but definitely, um, we're more into the what we call a firm pre-approval, which uh, which is different. But there, you can see the difference, right? Pre-qual is kind of something you do yourself. Uh, pre-approval is something that either you are as a broker and a professional are providing as a pre-approved amount or you're you're submitting to a a lender 
to validate your pre-approval yeah. for the client. Um, yeah, so I guess like a pre-qualification is is more of a feel-good number um, to see like where we're going. Whereas the pre-approval is we're kind of getting into a little bit more. But then I guess jump right into it. Like what's what's yeah. a firm pre-approval? Like what's that and, and what is it like when you're submitting it into a bank? It, yeah, so a, a firm pre-approval, what we do is um, we, we simulate the transaction. So we actually, if it's a purchase, we are doing everything as if you had bought the property. So uh, for example, you're looking for a house and you're already looking like if you're coming to me as a, uh, as a client, um, I mean, you've already gone on realtor.ca. Everyone goes on realtor.ca and is looking yeah. and dreaming and seeing. So we already know what you're looking for. So the question is, it's just about finding it out, right? Okay. Where are your expectations at? But ahead of that, I need to collect documentation. So a firm pre-approval is full documentation up front, right? Mm -hmm. um, a full meeting to go through what it is you're looking for. I often get clients to pull uh, listings of the, of the properties they're interested in, in mm -hmm. buying. Or if it's a refinance um, or a mortgage that's up for maturity, I can easily use the house that they're living in and the mortgage they currently have. So we get all the documents up front as if we're ready to submit the file. Okay. Okay. So, and then um, couple that with that one hour meeting. So literally I fill in all the gaps of the application. So I validate my application to the point where I have zero, no red fields. No, I'm not missing anything. Mm. Right. Um, and then at that point in time, I'm able to let a client know, um, especially in this day and age, we, what your upper limit is and why. Okay. Now your upper limit might be, might be limited by your income or might be limited by your comfort zone, right? Because not everyone qualifies for what they can afford and not everyone can afford what they qualify for. So that's why we look at both both sides of it. And basically at that point in time, we tell the client, based on what you're looking for, house, Mississauga, um, in this budget, based on the sale of your home, we simulate the sale, take out all the expenses from the sale, put in the purchase, qualify the purchase with the mortgage, down payment, and all the closing costs, all on one beautiful spreadsheet, and we show it to them. Now they understand. Do we talk about closing dates and bridge loans and everything? All of that up front. That's a firm pre-approval. Oh, wow. That means that you as a client can go into your offer when the realtor comes in and says, okay, Harris, you're going in. There's another 25 offers. <laughs> can you go in? What's your upper limit? What are you comfortable with? And I need you to go in firm. And you go, oh, I don't know if I can go in firm then you're, you're probably not, you're going to strike out and you're going to also feel a letdown, but you're also going to have an upset real estate agent and you are, yourself are going to go through an emotional vagabond. So the idea here is to really get that firm pre-approval done. Now, other piece to that, Harris, is that we will not submit this to a bank. Okay. It's our job as a professional to know what the lender's limits are. Yeah. If I have to then submit your pre-approval to a bank, then I'm waiting for the bank to give me a pre-approval. And now you're not getting the benefit of the market because I've already chosen your lender. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what we do, um, and this works because we've been doing it, is we do the firm pre-approval. We know what the limitations are based on all the lenders we work with. And then once the 
once you pull the trigger and you make your purchase, for example, mm -hmm. then we submit your file to where it's going to be um, best suited based on, you know, terms, rates, everything. Yeah. Boom. I mean, it's, it's, uh, what I've seen is with banks, um, they don't look at your file until you've kind of given them an offer or you like you an agreement of purchase and sale that's been accepted. And in this market, that's like extremely, extremely risky because sometimes you see that, um, you throw in an offer and you think, okay, well, you know what the bank said that I, there, there, sh there shouldn't be a problem that, uh, I'm, I'm getting, uh, that financing, but when they kind of actually submit everything, it's a different story. And then they're panicking because it closes a month down the line and they got to find somebody or something, um, that will be able to help them pay off this, um, mortgage or whatever their, their, their purchase that they just made, or they risk losing their deposit. Um, and going and getting through, sued and, and getting sued yeah. like it's, it's yeah. a messy design. you're right you're right like that's basically that banker just did a pre-qualification yeah because yeah. the banker basically didn't even meet with the client was on the phone said went on the same calculator you can go for go yeah. on at home and said okay how much do you earn popped it in what do you want okay yeah all right yeah you're good for your seven hundred thousand dollar purchase um send me the aps once it's done thank you very much see you later yeah. and then they move on because I've been there, right? In the branch, it's a whole other reality. You're you're not just talking about mortgages. You're talking about credit cards. You're talking about investments. You've got to jump on the line to go and help somebody with their deposit. You got to go and yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on in the branch, right? Yeah. And even your even your your specialized sales force, like a like a mortgage development manager, they're also um, you know working with so many different balls in the air. And although we are as well, they can't hire staff to help them. Yeah. As in general, right? We have staff to help us with the whole back end, the whole fulfillment side yeah. of things. I don't have to worry about that because I have a, an amazing team that takes care of that. Yeah. And I, I think, right? yeah. And I think uh, what a lot of people don't understand is, like you said, when you're calling into the bank, right? Um, it's for them, it is more of a, okay, this guy qualifies for this much, but when they say you qualify, there's disclaimers, right? They're not saying that, Hey, we're going to guarantee you this amount. Now you're not nope. saying you're guaranteeing that amount either. Right. But right. you're like, you know what? We're there 99% of the way, which is, which is kind of different than, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to throw this dart in at the wall and see where it hits. And, and this is where I think you're going to be. Right. But we don't know. Right. We're, we're doing as much due diligence as you possibly yeah. can in order to eliminate as many possible um, issues uh, so that we can predict an outcome and the client understands why the outcomes are there. The only thing we can't predict or, or talk about is the risk, the property risk. Okay. So if you, yeah. for example, you go and buy this property and you've overbidded to, you know, 1.2 million and the appraisal comes in at 1.1, we can't predict that. Yeah. We don't know. That's why it's really important that whoever you're working with, whether it's on the law, legal side, whether it's on the a broker side or mortgage side or or property that's your realtor, you have to trust everybody. You need that circle of trust. Yeah. If you don't have a circle of trust and those people are looking out for themselves rather than looking out for you, then they're not going to care if you overbid. Yeah. They're not going to care, right? So really, really important. That's the only part of the, the risk that you that everyone has is the property risk. So what we try to do to mitigate that risk is we will, after after our pre-approval, our firm pre-approval with a client, we'll connect with the real estate agent, um, and then we'll make sure that if a client is going to bid on a property, 
Um, we don't want this for every property because they have to visit it and obviously feel comfortable. They want to bid on a property. We have the realtor send us the MLS listing and we run numbers on that property before they bid. Okay. So, so we yeah. we already have a spreadsheet ready yeah. to go. All I need is the purchase price and property taxes if there's condo fees and everything else is already done. So then I can have a conversation with the client or one of my staff will have a conversation with the client. Okay, yeah, here we are. Yeah, that property, we're still good to go. And then we might have a discussion with the client and the realtor and they might say, can I go like an extra 10K or 15K to make this happen if I need to? It's easy. Now I can tell them with, with yeah. certain, yes, you can go, right? Because I have the numbers yeah. for the property. So how long does this, because you're, you're very involved. You're very involved, it sounds like, from day one, right? Like there, it's, a, it's a bit of a gradual thing, but as a client gets more serious, you're getting more involved. How long, um, so it, the hour that you're doing, is that the simulation that you're kind of putting it through or is, is the hour-long meeting kind of like getting to know the client and the simulation is a, is a different um, amount of time that you're spending? So, um, the hour long is, I would say 50, 50, um, discovery, understanding, okay. you know, the client itself. Remember, we've already inputted the information because the client has already sent us documents. Yeah. We won't have that meeting unless we have documents. Yeah. So we have documentation from the client. Um, my staff's already put the, put the file pretty much together from, you know, name, sin, date of birth. We're not putting any of that information. When we're talking about discovery, it's, it's about, okay, what are your plans? How long do you plan on living here? Yeah. All this stuff, right? We're finishing off the balance sheet. Um, and, then, and then the spreadsheets are pretty much done already ahead of time. We're just, I'm just tweaking them with okay. the client. And then I show it to them. So, so again, I'm uh, having this process, you need help. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I have a team that helps me with all the back end so that I can focus on the meeting. Otherwise, if I'm trying to... Uh, focus on the meeting and then I have documents <laughs> coming in that I need to index. I can't do it. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so yeah, that's why the team has grown as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and from the sounds of it, I mean, you're, if you're giving the clients the experience, it's, uh, you're going to need extra people because you're, you're, there's no reason for you to get where you're at. Now I want to kind of do a, a bit of a 180, I would say. And kind of jump okay. into, we're talking about pre-approvals, but I want to kind of move into more of the market. Um, today, we had the Bank of Canada raise interest rates, I think it was 25 basis points. What is your take on interest rates going up for the rest of the year? Because um, there's wild speculation. Some people had said previously, at least, there's going to be no rate increases. Some are saying there's going to be seven rate eight. increases, eight, whatever <laughs> it is, <laughs> and sky is falling, right? Like, what's your perspective on this? Where do you think um, interest rates are headed? Um, well, I think, I think interest rates will head up. I just don't think that they're going to head up, uh, eight times, um, in a short period of time. So, uh, there's a, there's a lot of fear that's, that's yeah. been put into, um, to, I mean, it sells, right? Like bad yeah. news sells, fear sells obviously. So you get, you get eyes on it. Yep. Yep. Of course, yeah. of course. You never find a you never find some a story on the front page that says, "Oh, it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow." No one will stop and pick it up, right? It's got to it's got to have something yeah. something that's going on that's going to catch someone's attention. So, um, so no, I don't think that we're going to have crazy increases in a very short period of time. I think that everything uh, the Bank of Canada has always demonstrated is that they move cautiously and gradually, um, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, they cannot they cannot 
jack up the rates to a, p a point where people will literally start losing their homes. I mean, we've spent all this time uh, bu building in a stress test to prevent uh, 2008 from happening in Canada. Yeah. So, you know, what happened in the U.S. not to happen in Canada. So that they're going to be moving very cautiously with these rates. That's my opinion. If you had to take uh, a guess um, of the range that we're going to see at the end of this year, what would that range be for interest rates? Are we going to see more hikes? Is this it? Um, where do you kind of see it going? Um, well, if I look at historically, um, obviously the the, the hikes um, occur um, less frequent than than the drops uh, in the sense of like if you're going to drop it, uh, you're going to drop it quick. Typically, if you have to obviously influence the market um, like they did in 2020. Um, but I would say uh, what I tell my clients is typically when there's an increase, there's an evaluation period to see how long, how, how that's impacted the economy. Um, and that period is usually, you know, four to six months. And then they would, they would then uh, increase again if they needed to. So I think probably... Um, and again, no one has a crystal ball as yeah. we like to say, probably one more. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying one more, your money's on one more. I mean, one more, maybe, maybe yeah. a, maybe a third, but like, I don't think it's going to be crazy. I think that we've, we've seen those bond yields go up so much. Um, and that, you know, five year fixed rates are, have gone up so much so fast. Yeah. Um, and you, you see people jumping into that to to protect mm -hmm. themselves from these rate increases. Right. Okay. Now, and, and to the to your crystal ball uh, comment, I want to say that, like, my kind of thinking is if you're like kind of an expert at something, even when you're wrong, you're right, because you're looking at stuff at a very high level. So you're not going to maybe hit the mark, but you have the right tabs that you're kind of moving on and if you're like somebody who had who doesn't know the market even when you're right you're wrong because you it's like a pure guess um yep. but to that effect yep. and, and i kind of want to wrap this up with this kind of last question um do you see house prices increasing at the same rate that they were um last year this is going to be a busy spring it's going to be a busy spring I could, it's going to be a busy spring um, yes, it will be a busy spring. I think, um, values will continue to rise. Um, I mean, I would hope that they don't go crazy like they've continuously done. Cause yeah. it is, it's, it is crazy. Yeah. I mean, everyone sees this, but the demand is there. It's a supply demand, um, problem. This is what it is. And there is, um, there is excess demand and there is not enough supply on the market uh, so we do need we do need more supply on the market, um, and until that happens, prices will go up. It's it's fundamental economics. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, um, that kind of concludes our podcast. I'm going to be leaving Vince's uh, contact information below. So if you want to reach out to him, uh, give him a call or email him. Email his team. I'm sure they'd be happy to help you out. Any last words, Vince? Uh, no, like I tell everybody, you know what, doesn't matter who you work with, just work with someone you trust. That's all <laughs> I, I always tell people. That's solid advice. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Harris. No problem.